I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving next week, but not its accompanying grocery bill. Inflation plus an avian flu epidemic is hiking frozen turkey prices up 73% from last year, says CNBC. Maybe it's time to get the family on board with Tofurky. This is Pulse Check. I'm Grace Scullion. Groups are calling for more oversight of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which is already in the midst of a major agency overhaul. The Health Innovation Alliance, one such group, sent a letter to Congress this week asking them to ramp up oversight and criticize the CDC for failing to, quote, update and modernize its response plans and systems. This matters because it echoes House Republicans' promises to beef up oversight in the new Congress. The Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria failed to reach its three-year fundraising target by more than 13%. The U.S. is the fund's biggest donor, but U.S. law only allows it to cover up to a third of the fund's overall budget. This matters because advocates say they need more money to address the backslides in progress for diseases like tuberculosis that occurred during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Lauren Gardner is here to break down all the moving parts in Washington on healthcare, because there are a lot. The newest COVID funding request from Biden, intense lobbying efforts on possible healthcare legislation, and a push by some key doctor and hospital groups calling for a public health emergency declaration for RSV. Lauren, tell me what you know. There's a ton going on. So I'll start with kind of the big ask from the Biden administration. Uh, On Tuesday, they sent a letter to Congress asking for several billions of dollars to address the uh, situation in Ukraine, but also asking for about $10 billion in emergency health funding. A little over $9 billion would go towards COVID vaccine access, as well as next generation COVID vaccines, long COVID research, issues like that. And then another $750 million would be spent on efforts to control the spread of other infectious diseases like monkeypox, hepatitis C, and HIV. This isn't the first time the Biden administration has asked Congress for more money to address the COVID-19 pandemic. Where they've run into a lot of issues is with Republicans who are skeptical that there needs to be any more money allocated to the effort. They want to see more of an accounting of how the money has been spent so far. I was actually at the elevators outside of the Senate floor on Tuesday, and uh, someone asked Senator Richard Burr, who is the top Republican on the Health Committee in the Senate, they asked him about this request, and he pulled out a little sheet of paper that he apparently carries around with him and said, you know, pointed to a bullet list of things that said, among other things, the details of the plan and Title 42, which is related to a Trump-era public health order that was used to uh, turn away migrants at the southern border. You know, he said that Republicans want to vote on that and that their demands really haven't changed since the springtime on this. All that's to say, doesn't seem like much has changed when it comes to uh, the political dynamics on getting more COVID funding approved. But of course, the administration is trying because they anticipate a need there. So should we expect any movement or is it just going to be the same stubborn back and forth? That's a great question, Grace. I mean, if history is any guide, it's going to be an uphill battle for Democrats and for the administration to get more emergency health funding. But stranger things have happened in a lame duck, especially after a midterm election that was surprisingly positive for Democrats this time around. 
surprisingly, given that it's the first midterm election after a Democratic president was elected, typically they go for the other party. And uh, there was much less of a rebuke of the party holding the White House this time around than uh, historically has happened. So stay tuned. The Biden administration has asked for that COVID money in the lame duck, but there are other groups asking for things before the end of the year, right? Oh, everybody wants something. Everybody wants something for Christmas. Since Congress needs to pass a year-end spending package to get funding for the government through the end of fiscal year 2023, that creates a great opportunity for various interest groups around Washington to take their wish lists up to the hill and say, hey, would love to get this into that bill, into that big catch-all Christmas tree of a bill. And healthcare is no stranger to that. And there are tons of requests flying around that our colleagues have written about over the course of the week. One thing in particular, there's a group of industry organizations lobbying to get a provision in the package that would allow high deductible health plans to offer telehealth services for patients before they hit their deductibles. There is another effort to expand Medicare coverage to include new cancer screenings. And then on top of that, there's efforts to get things that were left off of a deal to reauthorize uh, the FDA's ability to collect user fees. That passed back in September and it passed quote unquote clean. So, you know, without any extra policy presence loaded on board and folks who were pushing for things on that, like making changes to how the FDA manages their accelerated approval pathway for drugs. There's also been efforts on legislation to overhaul the regulation of cosmetics, of dietary supplements. All of these things are being pushed in the lame duck because when it comes to a year in spending package, it's the last train leaving the station. Everyone knows it. They realize this is probably their best chance to get their priorities passed before a new Congress begins in January. And while Democrats have maintained control of the Senate, we're most likely going to see Republicans take control of the House, and that can create some new dynamics that could make it even more difficult to get some of these things through. Got it. This might be Democrats' best shot for a while in getting what they want into this big spending bill. Uh, In some of these areas, yeah. And and some of these things actually are bipartisan, particularly some of the FDA-related things, not not necessarily cosmetics and supplements, but um, accelerated approval is one of them. There's been some bipartisan agreement on that, but just when control of a chamber flips, everybody's got new priorities and it just might be more difficult for things that even had bipartisan agreement in a previous Congress, it might be more difficult to move those things forward once you have a new leadership at the helm who has their own list of of things that they want to focus on. And then while you're here, I wanted to touch on one other thing you mentioned, and that was the public health emergency that pediatric hospital groups have asked for in the wake of rising rates of RSV and flu that are packing pediatric hospitals full. What's happening in pediatric hospitals right now that's driving this ask? We've seen a huge spike in both flu cases and cases of RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. That virus in particular, it can cause common cold symptoms in many people, but particularly for the youngest children or those with some underlying conditions, it can make them really sick. And it's been driving a lot of hospitalizations across the country, actually since the summer. But, you know, we're officially in 
RSV and just respiratory virus season right now. And the hospitalization rates are really high across the country. So the Children's Hospital Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics sent a letter to the White House this week saying that hospitals and those groups need funding and they need flexibility from a public health emergency declaration to handle the surging caseloads that these places are seeing. They're actually, they're comparing the situation to the COVID-19 pandemic. Pediatric providers are working long hours. Staffing is being stretched. Hospital beds are filling up really quickly. So what, what they're looking for is the flexibility that a public health emergency provides that could allow new spaces to be used to administer care, telehealth to be used in, in some scenarios where that's, that's deemed okay. It allows some requirements that are normally in place to be relaxed a bit to help speed up things like transferring patients from one hospital to another and also to boost staffing. Yeah, it sounds like there is some deja vu there. And has the Biden administration signaled if they will declare this public health emergency? Not publicly yet. Something to be on the lookout for. There is a whole lot going on in this final crunch before the end of the year. So thank you for breaking it down for us. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Grace. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra, Abdullah, and Annie Rees are our producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Grace Scullion. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. <laughs>